Shot Tuesday continues with this. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 uh, Miami, uh, uh, South Beach, bringing the heat, uh, <laughs> can y'all feel that, can y'all feel that? Little controversy playing Will Smith, is that it? <laughs> Why? He's polarizing. Okay. Uh, welcome to Double Shot Tuesday. Today's theme, these are songs with a city in the title. Uh, can I get this up front? Does it have to be a real city? I think it does. Yes. Not fictional stuff here. Correct. Uh, 50857 of the text line today. Uh, text in artist and song. Songs with cities in the uh, title. How will this go today? Strong. Great. Okay. Early indications, great. Okay. Uh, Rand McNally would endorse. <laughs> How about Scott with the Rand McNally reference? Someone that has only seen a map on his phone. You've never had a paper map in front of you, right? No. You've, well, I mean, a theme park, does that count? No. But you've never gotten in the car with a AAA trip kit. You open up that map that nobody can fold back up, and on the dashboard you've got this, like, four foot by four foot map and you're looking at highways and side roads and landmarks and going let's go there what's a trip you take out a pen or a magic marker and you kind of color it all the way to where you're going what's a triple a ticket trip kit it's a trip trip kit yeah go look it up yeah trinket i think you're trying to say trinket no no yeah people don't talk about that map and you fold it and then you never fold it back like it comes so nice and neat and then when you open it up and you try to fold it back and it just doesn't work that way yeah, that's, how, I, we, that's I, how we used to get around, Scott. Not some voice in your phone going, turn left. I have my news that you have your map people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so welcome again to Tuesday, a little double shot to Tuesday. I'm glad you're here uh, with us on our program uh, today. Got a big soccer match coming up at 2. The U.S. must win to advance. We'll get to that story of not just the match, but the underlying political theme of today's match as well, which doesn't happen much in sports these days on an international level. We've seen a number of sporting events in this country, politically, socially, but on an international level, we don't get this much. Uh, So we'll get to that story a little bit uh, later on. Uh, Magic loss last night. Mike and I talked about the Magic a little bit. I'm going to get to some numbers later of the shorthanded Magic team that now is 5-16. and 16. Last night, Steelers beat the Colts. Jeff Saturday questioned about clock management, huh? Yeah! Mr. Inexperienced Guy. What do you got to say for yourself? You just hire some kid that's really good at Madden to be the one that to run clock management. Well, for I forget who it was last night. On, uh, it must have been ESPN. It said, it's not like Matt Ryan's a rookie that he couldn't call timeout. Yeah. But uh, Steelers win, and uh, the Colts, I think they got another primetime game this week. So. Yeah. Wow. Okay, can I just say something? Can I, I just finish this off with a two-point fantasy win over Kurt last night to keep me alive in the playoff hunt? Congratulations. Two weeks to go. Got to win both to make. What now? If you're one of those people that I saw too much of this on social media yesterday of the, we need to be able to flex Monday night games. If you're bored with the game, change the channel. Don't watch it then. Find something else to watch. Yeah, and even though there are flex options, it's not as simple as people think. 
and, and, and by the way, the flex option for, for most people complaining, you're not the one with a ticket to the game that goes, no, wait a minute, I can't go now because you've changed. Uh, yeah. This is the game I'm stuck with. Watch something else. <laughs> I'm sorry. And you probably have 200 other channels. Find something else to watch. You're probably paying for seven streaming services. Find a movie to watch. Read a book. Do something else. Go shopping. Uh, can I just quickly check my wife here? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I'm well, sorry. I mean, it's real important here. Buy, Doge, send. Oh. <laughs> yeah, check on the FTX coins. <laughs> Are they released yet? So, can I tell you a story yesterday? Yeah. And I, I can say this on air. But for the third time in 18 months, I had a cracked windshield. <laughs> You told me this, yeah. Third time in 18 months. And I'm telling you, all three times, it is something bouncing on one of our tax-paid highways mm-hmm. that cracked the windshield. So last Wednesday, I was driving out to UCF for the basketball game. And I'm on the 408, and large dump truck. Mm-hmm. It's got pebbles and dirt and rocks and so forth, and... Something bounces, and I go, oh, that didn't sound good. And then you, about 15 minutes later, when I finally park, you look and go, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding me? So I, I went to get it changed yesterday. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh. Appointment time? 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock. And I know where you went. No, you know the name of the company that I went. But I know the location you went to. You don't know the location. Yes! Which is hard to find. It is very hard to find. And the Google Maps. Yeah. Or, or, or the app was like, even the app was like, I don't know, maybe veer left and, and see what's down yeah. there? No, 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 no. I know where you, I, I, I've been there before. Okay. Yeah. But new, that location. Yeah. Brand new. Okay. Because when I went there, it's the tiniest waiting area you can ever imagine. No. Okay. So they made it bigger? Oh, yeah. Okay. See, what? Oh, this, it's been a few years since I've been there. Oh, no. Very big waiting area. When I went there, it was like six chairs. No, no, no. Like ten bays. Okay. And I pull up, and there's one car uh-huh. being serviced. Yeah. And I walk in. First off, I realize the air's on 30. Okay. Then the TV, for whatever reason, is on like 40 in volume. Yeah. And it's not got the World Cup, but it's got one of the satellite soccer channels mm-hmm. that has a guy watching World Cup and describing what he sees. Cool. Means he didn't have the rights. Okay, so that was odd to begin with. Then I got there 1240. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, just after one, someone will come and and, and, and take your keys. Mm-hmm. Do you know why? Because lunch is yeah. till 1 o'clock. Yeah. So no one's working before that. Mm-hmm. Which sense. I didn't mind. Yeah. But when they give you the Here's the Wi-Fi and the password, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work. Yeah. And then I didn't do it, but somebody else goes, hey, is there a different Wi-Fi? And the woman looks up, and she's like, I don't know, man. I just work here. <laughs> so that was kind of depressing, right? hmm And then there's a customer that apparently got bad news mm-hmm. and decided the best way to handle that was... They weren't going to accept the bad news given, mm-hmm. so they were going to, on, on speakerphone, call the national office. Oh, good. 
which and I'll give the the woman behind the counter and the guy a ton of credit. Okay, customer service is challenging these days for reasons like this, and they held their poise and 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 they were never rude and said that's fine. And the woman calls, right? I mean, you know what happens? She she's on hold. Yeah. So the music's playing. And there's this uncomfortable silence in the waiting area. Now, I'm fascinated with how this is going to play out, right? And we're waiting and waiting, and I'm not doing anything. You kidding me? I want to hear this ends. And then while she's waiting and the music's playing, she's telling them how they've ruined her day. Yeah. She had to take the day off, mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't work, and so forth. And, and the guy's like, I'm sorry, this is... It. So the person gets on, right? And Scott, the woman goes into like a one-minute diatribe as to what happened. And the person goes, what well, can I put you on hold? <laughs> Somebody else comes back, and then she proceeds to tell the same story again. Mm-hmm. And the person says, okay, ma'am, what would you like me to do? They've explained that what you need done has this timeline. And, and then she says, well, I need you to tell them mm-hmm. that it has to be done sooner. And she says, I, I, I can't do physically that. Yeah. do that. And then so the woman goes, is this how you treat customers? And she says, I'm sorry, this is the best we can do. Um and then the woman goes like this, Scott. She goes, oh, how about if I take my business elsewhere? And the person on the phone goes, that is your option. And she goes, I don't think you'd like that. And then there's another pause of like five seconds of dead air. And then she goes, uh, she goes, well, they can't do it sooner. And she's like, I- I- I'm sorry. So then she hangs up on, mm-hmm. on the person and then looks and says, I'd like my keys back. So the guy gives her her keys. Yeah. Right? She holds the keys and says, well, just do it as fast as you can and throws the keys back on the counter. It's all that for nothing. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Then I had my luncheon, and uh, I was out in uh, eight, uh, 86 minutes. Oh, good. Not bad at all. Yeah. Not bad at all. 86 minutes. Good. So it was good. On our program today... Uh, Sean Gregory of Time Magazine is going to join us. Been a guest on our show before. He wrote a really good piece as the U.S. plays um, Iran today. It is eerily similar to 1998. It was also a must-win match for the Americans then. They did not. Uh, and we'll take a look back at what the political landscape was then and the similarities to today and what's at stake for the Americans. Uh, Matt Michelle's weekly college football visit coming up with us at 1035. We'll look forward to chatting uh, with him. Then David Purdom, our good friend who covers uh, sports gambling at ESPN. A couple of really interesting stories. Maybe some of you, well, you'd have to do it illegally in this state, uh, had problems with drawing money from a couple of big names on your sports betting app. And then how one NFL team's tweet moved a line significantly this past weekend and how that may be a lesson to other NFL teams and how to handle stuff like that. Uh, all that and much more. Double Shot Tuesday today. These are Songs that have a city in the title, 50857. Oh, uh, uh, Duran Duran. Real. They're they're one of those bands that if we tracked the amount of times they've popped up. Oh, they'd be up there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they'd be strong. Double Shot Tuesday continues on the Beat of Sports. 96.9, The Game, FM. HD online at 969thegame.com on your phone with the iHeartRadio app and on hundreds of devices like Alexa, Google Home, Xbox and Sonos, an iHeartRadio station. Continuous double shot, double shots of classic rock. Two for Tuesday. Oh, 
Oh, yeah, a little Gladys Knight and the Pips. I'm at Midnight Train to Georgia. That's a state. I didn't. I didn't refer. I didn't uh, fact check that one. That's my bad. Well, am I in luck? Are you in luck? What? Is there actually a city named Georgia? Um. Not quite sure. Let me see if I can help you out here. Georgia Cornwall. Oh, wait, no. Georgia, Indiana, Georgia, Nebraska, Georgia, New Jersey, Georgia, Vermont. Now then you bell down. Boom. I knew that all along, Mark. There it is. All right. Okay. Maybe the texter knew that all along. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they're from one of I them. I think, though, if you're going to do that, you got to put the state in there. You know. Okay. It's only fair, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, 50857 on the uh, text line. Uh, we're brought to you by good friends at Florida Citrus Sports Bowl season is here. The uh, matchups for uh, Cheez-It Bowl uh, and the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl will be announced on Sunday. And you can get tickets by going to Ticketmaster.com or FloridaCitrusSports.com. And don't miss all the exciting action of bowl season, courtesy of our friends at Florida Citrus Sports. Tonight, college football playoff rankings will come out. Um, What's your twenty top 25? Let's go. No. By the way sent to me last night. I didn't do the research because it didn't matter. But remember last week we're doing the, if it comes down to the four computer rankings to determine the tiebreaker in the American? Mm-hmm. After the games this weekend, which UCF won against South Florida, Cincinnati lost to Tulane, and Houston lost to Tulsa. Mm-hmm. The four computer rankings average yeah. came down to UCF being .25 Better than Cincinnati. Oh, wow. So they would have got it on that tiebreaker. But mm-hmm. it, it ends it up being a natural yeah. tiebreaker. So anyway. Um, but tonight, all eyes are going to be on five and six by the playoff committee. And, you know, I, I, I say there's only two rankings that really matter. It's the first one and it's the last one, which is the one coming up on uh, Sunday. But tonight's rankings by the committee will give us an idea of what the committee is thinking about the teams that are no longer playing. It is believed that Georgia will still be number one. There's probably some debate about Michigan after their impressive win at Ohio State. But most people think you'll have Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC. Remember I said about USC a couple weeks ago? I just said, you know, don't worry about it where yeah. they were. I just said, let, 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 let it play out. And then they beat UCLA. They beat Notre Dame. They get Utah in the Pac-12 championship game, and people are like, they should be higher. Okay, they'll probably be fourth tonight. But the question is, who sits behind these four? Because if somebody loses among these four teams, what happens? There are a number of people that believe that Georgia can lose, Michigan can lose, TCU can lose, and still make it. I don't know. Because, again, the journey and... The game playing itself out matters. I mean, you could tell me that Georgia loses at the buzzer to LSU, and then you justify putting them in. If Michigan gets beat by three touchdowns against a four-loss Purdue team that may not have their starting quarterback who's dealing with the tragedy of a family member lost, um, 
I don't know if they're still in because there is no set rule that, hey, if you win the regular season title, then you get the benefit of the doubt. I, I don't know. But what does come into play is not everybody's playing this weekend. So tonight, tonight, who's fifth? Is it Ohio State? Okay. Well, if they're fifth, who's sixth? Now, the AP poll and the coaches poll have Alabama six. The AP poll is Tennessee seven. The coaches poll is Penn State seven and then Tennessee eight. Well, wait a minute. Hold on. Ohio State, I'll give you, they're 11 and one. They lost to Michigan. They've got one loss. You could say, what? Well, 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 they should be ranked out of Alabama. Quickly, 10 o'clock hour, WYGM, Orlando, WJR, HD2, Cocoa Beach, Orlando Sports Leader, Mark Daniels, and the Media Sports. Right now, the two voting polls that have no impact on the college football playoff committee, uh, the two voting polls have Alabama ahead of uh, Tennessee. Well, wait a minute, though. Last week's college football playoff rankings, last week's, okay, had Alabama 7, Tennessee 10. Well, does head-to-head matter? Or, well, Hendon Hooker's hurt, so you have to view them differently, which I would argue on behalf of Tennessee, why? What are you judging differently? Well, the argument an Alabama fan would say is, hey, we didn't get blown out like you did at South Carolina. Okay, fair point. The argument about Alabama could be, yeah, but Texas and Texas A&M, maybe you lose one of those and you're 9-3. and three. And so you begin to compare. And when the head-to-head thing tries to be the tiebreaker, even I would say this, it should be considered, but it shouldn't be the only thing considered. You, you're still looking at an overall body of work. So what if Blank loses this weekend? Let's say tonight the committee has Ohio State at 5, and I'm going to guess they have Alabama at 6. Um, based on who lost from last week, the way it was ranked, and LSU lost, Clemson lost, Oregon lost, I think the committee is going to have Ohio State 5, Alabama 6, and Tennessee at 7. Okay, Ohio State, Alabama, Tennessee, they don't play. They don't play this weekend. So what happens if, let's say, one team loses? Let's say let's say Utah beats USC again. Uh, who's in? Who's in? Is it, well, it, it would be Ohio State. All right. Uh, how do you make the case here for Alabama? Well, Nick Saban did what any coach should do. He politic for his team. You know, hey, I think we belong, played a tough schedule, uh, lost uh, two games at the buzzer, and all that's correct. They didn't get blown out like Ohio State. The last image we had was an Ohio State team beaten up by Michigan. But tonight, if the committee puts Ohio State five, how do you change it next week? I mean, uh, on Sunday. How do you change it? If tonight you have Ohio State at five, and one team loses, and that one team is USC, who I think is going to be at four, what's the argument to then switch Alabama? That's why tonight's number five is really interesting. 
What if two teams lose? What if TCU loses to Kansas State and USC loses? Does TCU stay ahead of one of those teams of Alabama, Ohio State, and still make the playoff? Only the committee will know that based on how the games go. So that's what makes tonight really interesting to what the committee has regarding playoff rankings. I think Ohio State will be five. And then I think it'll be Alabama and then Tennessee. So that'll be uh, um, something to watch uh, tonight. I did talk with Mike briefly in the bridge at the end and uh, wish we had a little bit more time, but we kind of got uh, uh, carried away in a couple of uh, topics there. Um, yesterday, Auburn makes it official. Hugh Freeze is being hired as their head coach. Uh, buzz of coaching activity, of coaches getting hired, uh, still vacancies to be filled uh, in preparing for the UCF Tulane game. Willie Fritz, the Tulane coach, who, who I really like. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a really good coach. He was asked like five, six different times during his uh, press conference about the Georgia Tech job, and he, he was consistent. Hey, I'm the coach at Tulane, probably be the coach at Tulane, preparing for the game on Saturday. And a number of media members are trying to twist the question, and he 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 was consistent. Um, in talking to somebody yesterday that I think is in the know about what Georgia Tech might be doing, it was he is a candidate of interest, but they haven't, shut down the process, so maybe it's not completely done for Willie Fritz. If it's a distraction to Tulane, I don't know. But back to the U-Free story. And if you heard Mike and I talking at the end of the bridge, and I asked Mike this question about what what does Auburn owe anybody regarding the hiring of U-Freeze? There's plenty of information that you can go back and read and even see some of the new stuff that people have written about regarding you freeze at Ole Miss, the NCAA sanctions, um, and then the stuff off the field. There's also a lot of information that people, some of you may have read or maybe you don't know about, regarding liberty. And a number of women that battled the university regarding sexual assault accusations and charges and how the university handled it. You free sending direct messages to one of the victims about why would she criticize Ian McGraw, the, pre- the uh, athletic director at Liberty. Uh, and you can go read that stuff. But as Mike yesterday, or, or, I'm sorry, this morning, what does Auburn owe other than we hired a football coach to win games because winning football generates a lot of money and allows us to compete at the highest level. Now, there's a lot of reactions to something like that. And by the way, that is pretty much what Auburn did yesterday. They didn't add at the end, and we understand he had these things and, you know, we're looking past it or we didn't care. And I think we all know why you don't put that in the release and and you don't comment during a press conference. And you Freeze knows he'll be asked questions about that when he's introduced. And has probably thought about those answers for quite some time, and will probably go over his answers with the Auburn people so that they're consistent with that. Look, as I say about a lot of things in the business of college football, I understand why things are the way they are. It doesn't mean I have to like it. I understand it. I, I, I work in this industry. 
I make a living off this industry. So I can't be completely hypocritical. And when you want a moral compass to come into play, you have to understand why sometimes it doesn't come into play. I don't know you, Freeze. I know of the things that anybody else can read about you, Freeze. I know that he's respected as a football coach. I know that you, Freeze, is human like the rest of us and has made mistakes. I don't know anything other than that. Maybe he is still a really bad dude. Maybe what he says is different than what he does. Maybe he's not a nice person. Maybe he doesn't care about what people think of whatever he did. I, I don't know that. Um, maybe he's genuine in his sense of, hey, I made mistakes, and I believe I, I paid for those mistakes, and um, this is another opportunity. But sometimes if you're looking for college football to give you examples of, hey, do the right thing, sometimes you're looking at the wrong place. And by the way, there are a lot of really good, well-run programs that have good coaches, good assistant coaches, good athletic directors, good presidents, that when it comes to the hiring process, weigh things that maybe other schools wouldn't weigh. But I also recognize timing matters. Timing matters. If you've got a successful program and the foundation's in place, that whoever is your head coach is going to have resources to allow you to compete at whatever league you're in to consistently compete for titles, not win every year, but consistently compete, well, then you can be a little bit more picky when things are going well. When things don't go well, just like a lot of things in life, people make decisions based on emotion at the moment. And if you're Auburn, where it's viewed as a program that is dysfunctional in many ways for a variety of reasons of who runs the program, it isn't really the AD, the president, it's the boosters, and they'll determine this and that and so forth, and when you don't have success, and when you've got what they've had the last couple of years, when they ran out Gus and gave him over $20 million and brought in somebody. That didn't work out. They run off their athletic director, um, whether they wanted Lane Kiff or not, and ended up hiring uh, Hugh Freeze. When you are desperate to get back to that level of competing for championships and, and, and your rival is Alabama, then you don't go through the same process. You don't have the situation of, hey, we're, we're fine. We're always going to be successful. No. You are more likely to not check all boxes because you become obsessed with what does it take to win. And that's why if you're looking for Auburn to go, how could you hire blank, and in this case be you freeze, the honest answer is because we're trying to win games and make money. Yeah, but he's got, we're trying to win games and make money. Don't you care about this? We're trying to win games and make money. But are you concerned that his action's there? We'll take our chances. Right? That's for each individual to determine what you think is right, and there is no right or wrong answer there. If you think it's awful that Auburn hired him, then you have every right to that opinion based on the information you may know about all of you freeze information. But there are plenty of people that will tell you it's the industry, it's the business, and in the end, the overwhelming majority of your fan base just wants to win. And if they win, they're more likely to forgive. If you don't win, they are more likely to never forgive and forget and quickly run you out. It doesn't mean it's right. It just means that's the state 
of the industry. In less than four hours, the U.S. World Cup team, the U.S. national team of the World Cup, faces a must-win uh, to advance. Uh, it's not just any other match against Iran. It is a match that has a political undertone to it that is similar to something that took place in 1998. That story next. Double Shot Tuesday continues. Uh, I don't know if you're going to get this one. Let it play. It's Timberlake's guy. Oh, Chris Stapleton. Yeah. Oh, uh, 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 Midnight Train to Memphis. Yeah! Wow! It's a double shot Tuesday. Sounds like Garth Brooks. That's good because it is. Okay, I don't know the name of the song. But. Uh, Colin Baton Rouge. Oh. I got Garth Brooks. You claim to be a Brooks head. No. <clears throat> uh, no, don't claim. But uh, fact, I got it. I think it's pretty good. Um, Double Shot Tuesday theme today is uh, songs with a city in the title. 50857 on uh, the text line. And uh, we've had good response uh, today. Keep them coming. Do a beat of sports overtime later where we'll run down a good chunk of the songs that don't get on. Uh, that are not possible to get all the suggestions uh, that uh, that we get in. Um, reminder, Saturday, UCF and Tulane, the American Athletic Conference uh, Championship game. 4 o'clock for the kick. We'll have pregame beginning at uh, 2 o'clock from uh, New Orleans. A win by UCF, and they're in the Cotton Bowl. If Tulane wins, they're in the Cotton Bowl. It's what it boils down to. Uh, that's what's at stake. It would be a fourth major bowl game for UCF since 2013. Um, and that's what's on the line for the football game coming up on uh, Saturday when the Knights uh, will be in Tulane to take on the Green Wave. Um, so that's what we'll look forward to on Saturday. Uh, today, 2 o'clock, the U.S. takes on Iran. And if the Americans lose, they're out. And it would be a failure. The U.S. was not an overwhelming favorite to uh, get into this uh, round of 16. But... If this team loses today uh, to Iran and doesn't advance, I don't know how anybody could view the result other than a disappointment. The Americans will not have to qualify in 26 because they're a host country. And while this team was not expected to win uh, the event, I do think there was a sense that this team should get to the round of 16. There are, as we mentioned, a number of other things at play here. The political undertones of uh, all this. The protests happening in Iran. Uh, 
the social media post that somebody from the U.S. national team put out there that then quickly they changed and then made the statement of, uh, hey, this is what we meant. Um, there are reports that the Iranian government's made it clear to the players who didn't sing the national anthem in the first match and mouthed the words in the second match that uh, not only do they expect them to sing today, but also to win. I mean, there's a lot at stake on both sides, and you don't often see it these days. I mean, the U.S. and Russia may have their political differences, but when they play, it's not the same type of feeling. But this is a little bit different uh, today. And um, we'll see what happens. Um, our next guest has been a guest in our program before, and he wrote a really good piece that looks back at the last time the U.S. found themselves in a must-win against Iran back in 1998. Sean Gregory writes for Time uh, Magazine, and uh, find his work at time.com, and he's kind of join us and chat about today and uh, the undertones of this. Sean, welcome back. How are you? Thanks. How's it going? Uh, good. I want to start some back on for our audience um, for those who don't know who Masa Amini is, a 22-year-old who died back on September 16th, what made that become such a polarizing moment in Iran alone that we've seen protesting like we've never seen before? Yeah, you know, the questions around her death, um, you know, just, just were really, really kind of causes of consternation. She died in police custody. She died um, under suspicious circumstances. She was taken into custody for violating the strict um, headdress, uh, headscarf laws for women in Iran. And, you know, it just, it was a powder keg. It just, it was kind of enough is enough. And, you know, for years, you know, there have been human rights questions in Iran, particularly for women. And... You know, it's kind of analogous a little bit to, you know, what, what ha- what's happened in the U.S. with the Black Lives Matter movement with, with young people of color um, dying in, in police custody by, on, by armed police officers, uh, you know, unarmed people of color. And so, you know, enough was enough in the U.S. and now in Iran, obviously under a much more different way of life and much stricter circumstances. Um, but, you know, women's rights have not been strong in Iran for years. And, you know, with social media spreading messages, spreading progress, um, we've seen this kind of eruption of, of protest that has spilled onto the soccer field where the Iranian players in, in the first game of the World Cup did not sing the national anthem, which is a huge issue from the Iran regime's point of view. Um, you read the news coming out of there. Families allegedly have been threatened. Players' families have been threatened. Um, the players have been threatened. You know, they might not be able to go back to Iran or, or might face punishments when they go back to Iran. So it's a, it, it, this game is unfolding under extraordinary geopolitical, geopolitical fire. And it's, it's not, that's what happens when the U.S. and Iran play that as we talked about in, in our 1990 in our piece about 1998 um you know similarly that game unfolded under you know uh geopolitical tensions that are inescapable when when we're talking about iran and the u.s 
uh, matching up on the field of play. You're right. Again, 98, it, 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 I mean, we're years removed uh, from the Shami I told of a hostage crisis, but uh, it is a chilled relation back then leading up to, to, to 98. So take me back to, to, to the underlying stories of that. Again, the Americans have to win back in 98. Um, this was not a very good American team coming after 94 right. in the Cup being here. Um, so kind of take me through as we're going into that match, and I know that um, as you wrote about then-U.S. coach Steve Sampson, he chose to not lean on the political side, and, and, and right. I guess he regrets that. Share with us uh, uh, that side of the story. That was really, I found that really fascinating, that, that him and Alexi Lawless would kind of admit that they should have played up politics. You know, in the current world, there's there's this idea of, like, hey, we have to stick to sports, right? Like, you know, the sports is the escape from politics. And that's what Steve Sampson, the U.S. coach, going into that game, thought. He was a young coach. FIFA wanted this game to be all about football. They wanted to spread the message of unity and spread this message that soccer can can make people come together, which, you know, there is a truth in that for 90 minutes on the pitch, and then the real world kind of continues, right? Um, but, yeah, Steve Sampson did not play up the politics, treated it like any other game, and he says he regrets that. That, And, and in his words, he, you know, a coach has to use everything available to him to or, or her to, to rally their team. And this was a situation where he could have said it. He wishes he said, you know, Iranians, let's face it, we're, we're, they're a geopolitical rival, and Iranian terrorist groups, uh, Iranian-backed terrorist groups, have you know killed Americans in the last twenty years. You know, in 1998, that's what had happened right after the revolution. Um, you know, there was you know, death to America was a chant on the streets of Tehran, and a, a, the Iranian regime backed. Um, several Middle Eastern uh, ter- terrorist groups that killed Americans overseas. So he could have said, let's play for them, much in the same way that on the other side in 1998, the Iranian players were hearing from families of victims of the Iraq-Iran war, which started in 1998, that the CIA has you know, since come, at, come open and said that we backed the Iranian regime in that war, excuse me, the Iraqi regime in that war. So that's a, a grievance from the Iranian side. And so the Iranian players talked about how they, they, they heard from families that say, you've got to, to win this in honor of my fallen family member. Mm. Um, win it for him and her. So it was very charged on the Iranian side. And the American side, it was not. And the result was what it was. Iran won 2-1. Now, if Steve Sampson had ter- used that tactic, was it automatic that the U.S. was going to win? No. As you said, they weren't a very good team. And, and Iran's a strong side. However, in hindsight, you use whatever's possible, and he didn't use that tool, and he, and it still bothers him to, the, to this day. There are reports that the Iranian government and, and, and football foundations made it clear to family members of, uh, of, of the players, you better sing the anthem, they don't appreciate this, you may not be welcome right. back. There's a tone that, as you wrote in that 98 match at halftime, it's one nothing Iran, and what reportedly took place in the locker room back then. So Steve Sampson said that the coach, the Iranian coach who lived in Palo Alto, 
and still does, as far as I know. We, I couldn't reach him. I couldn't find a number to reach him. But according to the records we have, he's a resident of Northern California, as is Steve Sampson. So years after the match, the coach told Steve Sampson when they met, you know, informally out in California, that at halftime of that game with Iran up one to nothing, uh, Iranian officials came into the locker room and took everybody's passports and said, if you don't win this game, you're not welcome back in Iran, and your families are not welcome to leave Iran. So talk about raising the stakes, right? right? Like, um, you know, more than a game, your, your, your ability to see your family depends on you holding this one nothing lead. So, you know, that's what he says the coach, the coach told him happened. And so, again, assuming that there's truth to that, it was way more charged on the Iranian side and that, than the American side, who, you know, t- tried to treat it like a tactical football game, soccer game, and lost. So now what does that mean going into this game is, is the really interesting question. Now, Steve Sampson made the point, and, and we could talk about the point, that, you know, it's different here. There's the regime and there's the team. Back in 98, the regime and the team were sort of, coming from the same side. Right. We spoke to a professor out, you know, who studies Middle Eastern studies in Israel. He made the point that he, as far as he's, his research shows, that the, the, the team in Iran that year in 1998 supported the regime. This year, it seems that the Iranian team opposes the regime, and we know that because the players did not sing the national anthem during the first game. So it's not like the guys on the other side of the field are the quote-unquote enemy the repressors however although they're a sympathetic team these players that are opposing a very strict government you can't as steve sampson said you can't have sympathy for them on the pitch right you've got to take care of business yeah it's part of what i find today fascinating because uh if america wins it's not i mean the country's not going to celebrate in the streets tonight i mean because of our sports menu it's not one of these at the moment that is has united the entire country but the outcome in iran fascinates me in the sense of uh if they win is it a country celebration i guess if they lose i almost wonder if some of the protesters are rooting for that outcome tonight i get the sense that in iran you know First of all, there's a ton of stuff going on there right. where, as you said, it's not like this this game is going to um, you know, unite the country like it did in 1998 when there were millions of people on the street celebrating. Um, but I think there's sympathy with the team in Iran, amongst the protesters at least, because they you know, went out on the limb for them and by not singing the national anthem in the first game. Now, listen, they have since kind of come in line uh, in the second game against Wales, they kind of, most of the players kind of softly muttered, mouthed along to the song. They weren't belting it out. And, you know, and, and critics will say, well, they kowtowed to the, to the regime. But at the same time, you know, the Iranian Football Association, they're employees of the government. And so your life, your life is at risk if you, if you kind of, if you oppose your, your, strict bosses in the moment. So I think there's sympathy why you can understand why the players would have fallen in line a little bit more in that second game. I assume they'll be singing the anthem today. Um, we'll, we'll see. But I think there's I think there's sympathy amongst the protesters 
in Iran and, and with the team because they seem to be aligned about, you know, hope, fighting for progress, doing what they can to show support for progress in that country. Fascinating backdrop on a, a day that the U.S. must win to advance. Uh, Sean's piece is up at uh, time.com. You can also get the link uh, on Twitter. He's at Sean M. Gregory. Sean, thanks. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks a lot. Uh, Matt Merchell, his weekly college football visit next. Double Shot Tuesday continues. Not the Go-Go's. No. Who is this? This is New Politics. Okay, what's the song? Harlem. All right. Today, songs that have cities in the title. 50857 in the text line. FM 96.9. The gig. Two for Tuesday. Double Shot Tuesday, songs with cities in the title, The Clash, London Calling. Yeah. Let's uh, get to Matt Michelle. Let's check out the latest in college football with the Orlando Sentinels' Matt Michelle. Catch Matt on Twitter at OS Matt Michelle. Let's talk college football. Matt Michelle, the Orlando Sentinel, uh, joins us. Matt, good morning. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing this morning, Mark? Good. Uh, so newspapers have deadlines, even in the computer world. I would imagine during the UCF South Florida football game, that's not the ideal deadline game, right? <laughs> I'm sure, you know, when you get in that kind of situation, you spend more of your time trying to figure out how to rewrite your, your lead to your story and uh, hoping that something doesn't go into overtime. It was kind of the case for UCF, USF, and, and for FSU in Florida a little bit that, you know, you kind of get put on the crunch. But it gets it gets done, and it finds its way into the newspaper eventually. Okay, uh, take me uh, through your thoughts as you watch UCF get this big lead. Maybe if John Rice Plumley doesn't get hurt, they win by four or five touchdowns, and he may have run for 300 yards. But sometimes weird things happen. So as you saw that game in the second half, and then UCF found a way, give me your thoughts. Yeah, you know, I thought, you know, you're right. I mean, I think if John Rice is 100% healthy, I think they maybe cruise maybe to that win a lot more comfortably than they did. I also thought, you know, the mistakes, turnovers, you know, really kind of hurt them. They really showcased what happens when you don't take care of the football. There were some weird things that happened here or there, but, you know, when, when, you, when you have that a stretch where, you know, you keep turning the football over, you're just giving USF an opportunity to come down and score. And, you know, and credit to USF. I said this before uh, last week before this game that, you know, this was their kind of their bowl game. You know, they felt like with a one-win team, you feel like, you know, this was an opportunity maybe to, to beat your rival, to try to have a chance to knock them out of a, of a, of a chance for a conference championship game. Um, so for USF to go out there and play the way they did, especially in the second half, um, you know, you, you give them credit. But I think UCF did the things it had to do to win games. It shows the difference between, you know, a team that's playing at a, at a different level. I mean, Alex Holler making that catch, um, you know, was just probably one of the highlights um, in, in quite some time. I'm trying to go back and, and think about if there was ever a catch that way. I can only think of a couple in, in the past, but this one means more because of where it kind of put UCF in, in, in the big picture. Give me uh, uh, your thoughts on the rematch with Tulane, who certainly had an impressive win at Cincinnati. They're home, um, and, you know, they're favored. But how does UCF win, you think? Well, you know, I think they're going to have to do what they, they did in the first game a little bit. I think they have to continue to run the football. I think they can't just – they can't change their personality. UCF can't go into this game and just decide, you know, they're going to change things up. You know, I think if John Rice Plumlee is healthy, I think they're going to try to do some things with him like they did in the first game. Uh, you know, you know that Tulane is going to obviously be, you know, looking out for that kind of thing. So um, I think they have to continue not they – they can't turn the football over for one. 
Uh, they have to make sure that they take care of the, the ball. They have to convert on third downs. And I also think, you know, there are going to be opportunities to, to take advantage of some big plays. They're going to have to do that. And they got to get the crowd out of the game early. I know the crowd in the first game wasn't really existent, but you got to imagine there's going to be more people, more fans in the stands for this game being a championship game. Matt, you've written uh, the last couple of years a number of pieces on Mike Norvellian with a chance to interview him. I'm just curious, the journey of... Mike Norvell, after year one and the challenging year of COVID, the guy that you saw celebrate the win over Florida is what? Uh, I mean, it's it's remarkable in a lot of ways. I mean, that that first year, you know, twenty twenty. I mean, he, there was so much stacked against. Don't get me wrong; there was so much stacked against a lot of coaches that year. But for a new guy to come into a program that was really spent a couple of years under mediocrity, you know, to to come in and, and try to find a way to to get his message across to, you know, players who had been through multiple coaching changes, multiple coordinator changes, you know, who basically who were really kind of down uh, to have him try to build them back up, uh, you know, to, to have them lose games the way they did, to get blown out in some situations, you know, to get to year two, starting to show a little bit of improvement, you know, and you saw Norvell go out and add pieces to the transfer portal and try to find, you know, try to recruit. And meanwhile, there's still so much noise outside the program where, you know, was he the right guy? You know, Deion Sanders, is he, should, he could be the guy, you know. And then they get to year three where, I mean, I'm like, I haven't, I was trying to look back and think, it's, it's got to be the late 90s. The last time I saw fans storm the field, you know, at, at the Doke. And, and to see them do that on, on Friday night and to see the, 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 the euphoria from the players who had never experienced that before. And even Mike Norvell experienced that, you know, um, it's just, it's, it's remarkable. I mean, to be able to turn the program around the way he's been able to do that. And, you know, I, I think this isn't the, this isn't the end product. I think you would obviously love to keep this thing going and they feel like they're, they're kind of going in the right direction. They've done a good job with the roster, kind of turning the roster over. They're starting to get some, some, making some headway on the recruiting trail and they're putting their name back into the national, you know, national discussion. That's what, what Mike said after the game was, our, you know, Florida State is back being talked about nationally, and that's something that hasn't happened in four or five years. So it's been a tremendous, you know, arc for him to go from 2020 to, to 2022 and, and to get this program to where it is right now. Did Anthony Richardson take his final snap as a Gator? I think he probably did. I mean, I mean, if he's if he feels like and his people are telling him, listen, you're going to get you're going to get drafted, whether it's in the first or second round. That's a lot of money, you know, and I think maybe he, they, they say, you know, there's going to be an opportunity here. Maybe it's best to move on. Do I think that's right? No. I mean, I, I think Anthony Richardson should, should come back for another year. I think he should try to continue to get better. I don't think he was nearly as impressive as a lot of people thought going into the season. I think he, ha- he made some great plays. He's a tremendous talent and an athlete. But, you know, as a quarterback, I, he was just average to me. I don't think there was anything out there that I looked at that thought, wow, this guy is, you know, he's an elite player. He's a, he's a, Car- a Caleb Williams or a C.J. Stroud. I don't think that was the case. So I would suggest coming back. But the money's going to be great, and the idea of going to the NFL is going to be great. So more than likely, he's probably done. Um, Michigan doesn't just beat Ohio State, Matt. I mean, they beat him up and down the field. And what really, uh, nobody expected a game like that. You thought Michigan might win a close game, but, I mean, that wasn't even close. Yeah, not at all. And, and, and it really showed, um, you, you started to see that kind of dynamic shift. You know, before it was Ohio State was so great and they were dominating, you know, what they did, you know, the Michigan over the years, they've dominated. And now just kind of quietly, you're seeing, you know, Michigan get to that point where it's really, it's Jim Harbaugh has done a great job of, of getting his team and his program to get back there, you know, to be able to, to dominate the way they have, especially the second half. You know, they were, it was close early on and both, Last year, too, as well. It was close early on. Ohio State had to lead. And then the second half, you know, they were able to just really kind of 
you know, kind of you know, out cynical. I mean, they were, they were, there was so much more in their face. I thought that, you know, they were able to kind of become annoying defensively for, for, you know, keeping CJ Stroud uh, under control in that second half. And uh, it was an impressive win. And I got to say, um, you know, now I think people are going to look at this Michigan program a little differently over the next couple of years. Um, and you start to wonder on the flip side for Ryan Day. Now, all of a sudden, Ryan Day is the shine's come off him a little bit, and you start to wonder is this Ohio State program? You know, yes, they've won a lot of games. Yes, there's a possibility they could get back into the playoffs. But, you know, are, is, are they like they were a couple of years ago back when everyone matters? Uh, right. For a guy that averages 12 wins a year. Um, <laughs> the Big Ten might be the only conference where the scenario may play itself out because in thinking of uh, you know, I, I guess it could be Alabama, Auburn but but rivalries that are played late in the season Matt, as we go divisionless football and everybody wants these 14-16 team conferences and pick the top two, do we want a Michigan-Ohio State rematch a week later if, you know, if we're doing the top two teams again? I guess that can happen, and no one seems to be trying to avoid that. And I know no one's going to think about moving this game out of the last week of the season. Yeah, probably not. I mean, you know, it, I'm sure when they go to divisionless, which you're right, everyone's going to go to that and make that move. I think that's just going to make sense for a lot more conferences. I think the Big Ten's in an interesting position because you're right. It's probably going to end up being Michigan Ohio State most of the time, especially in the next couple of years. If that's the case, then, you know, do you want to have them back to back weeks? Uh, I mean, I, I don't necessarily know the Big Ten wants to do that, but if you talk about moving this game, I think you'll get a lot more pushback on that. You know, I think a lot of people would be upset if you push this game, let's say, to to you know early October. Uh, I, I don't necessarily believe that, that fans would, would, would you know would really go to that. You know, would feel that would be a good move. I think they would want to see this still end. But um, I, I think this is kind of the direction we're headed. I mean, I think that the SEC is going to have the same sort of scenario in some some years, and um, you know maybe you might get that in, in the ACC as well. But I think because of these, this matchup, I mean, um, this is a tremendous rivalry, and it's been it's been really it's been important, particularly in the national landscape. So. Uh, I think they'll maybe take a look at it when they make this move, but whether or not they're going to make a move with this game up, I just find it hard to believe that's going to happen. Did Luke Fickle make a selfish, and I mean this in a compliment, do what's best for you to go to Wisconsin? He maxed out at Cincinnati. There's no question they're going to benefit going to the Big 12, but he took a team to the playoff. It changes the expectation. Let me go to a different place where there's expectations, but I can win 9 or 10, and and uh, you know people will be happy. Is it a case of go when you believe you've reached your ceiling? Yeah, I think so. I think for Luke Fickle, I think you know he looked around and he, he maybe saw kind of what the landscape was. I mean, I don't know if the Wisconsin job wasn't open. Maybe Luke Fickle doesn't doesn't jump at that chance. I mean, you know, he's got obviously Big Ten uh, background. You know, I'm playing with Ohio State, uh, coaching at Ohio State. He's, he's really a Big Ten guy. Um, but you look around and you think to yourself, well, you know, maybe I, I should have made this move a year earlier. Or maybe I, I, the job was was not right at the time, or maybe, you know, this is an opportunity I can't pass up. I think going to Wisconsin is a, a great move for him in a lot of ways. It's a program that doesn't require him to, to come in and basically rebuild from the ground up. I mean, this is a, a winning program that's just kind of had some bumps over the last couple of years. Uh, they have tremendous facilities. Uh, you know, there's a lot of money, obviously, in the Big Ten being, being pumped back in with the TV deal, the new billion-dollar TV deals. Um, so for if you're Luke Fickle, this is the, the, the chance for you to maybe go and, 
and get to a, plot, a spot where you're really kind of going to be comfortable. And that's not to say take anything away from Cincinnati. You know, I know they've done a tremendous job there and moving over to the Big 12. They're probably going to have some success there. But if you're looking around it and you think to yourself, this is a better chance for me to continue my career and maybe to move up you know, uh, the ladder, then I think Luke Fickle makes the, the move, and it's the right move at this time. Five and six matters tonight uh, because of the top four. Somebody could lose. Uh, somebody could lose and maybe still make the playoff. But in Matt Michelle's world, you can give me your top four. Who's five and six and seven tonight? I think five is going to be Ohio State. I think six is going to be Alabama. Um, and seven is going to probably be Tennessee. Um, and then it's going to come interesting because it's going to be Georgia at one, Michigan at two. Uh, TCU at three and USD at four. So I, I think the top three spots are going to be pretty safe this weekend. I think they're pretty much locked in. Um, I think it's going to come down to whether USC can beat Utah in the Pac-12 championship. If they don't, um, you know, then it becomes interesting. Does the committee say, okay, fine, we'll take, we'll take, you know, Ohio State, which was, you know, the top four throughout much of the, the last three or four weeks, or do we go and, and, and take an Alabama team? That's got two losses, but you know it plays in a, at a much more tougher conference. Or does, is, is there going to be a push for Tennessee? I, I don't think Tennessee has a chance. I, I think the loss to South Carolina really goes them um, pretty much over, and I think that it's going to come down to Ohio State and Alabama. But it's going to be interesting because there are some people who believe maybe maybe Michigan you know can can knock off Georgia and take that top spot based on what they did to Ohio State. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but. I think the top three spots going into this weekend will be pretty secure. It's going to be that fourth spot as it usually is. He's on Twitter at OS Matt Michelle. Lots of busy things happening in college football. As always, thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. All right, thanks a lot. Take care. 11 o'clock hour kicks off with Scott in the News next. But first, uh, time for a little World Cup. Two for Tuesday, double shot Tuesday. When you work Rush in a double shot Tuesday. <laughs> the passage to Bangkok. Yes. I know you're a big Rush guy. 508-57 songs with a city in the title. 11 o'clock hour, WYJ, Orlando, WJRR, HD2, Cocoa Beach, Orlando Sports Leader. Let's really do the news. Yes. Now it is time to do the news. But now it's time uh, for the news. What do you got, Sparky? What up, my news heads? What's going on? 11 o'clock, another edition of the news. I'm Scott Harris. That's Mark Daniels. And Mark, we got some big news just came down. Big news that just came down? Magic players who were sidelined oh. last night will be available for t- uh, for tomorrow night's game. Cole Anthony, uh-huh. Markel Fultz, uh-huh. Terrence Ross, uh-huh. Mo Bamba's questionable. Uh-huh. Wendell Carter Jr., Jonathan Isaac, Jalen Suggs, and Chumo Keke are, uh, though, uh, out. Yeah, I saw Kobe Price first sent out that tweet about Markell and uh, Cole Anthony. Expected to be available tomorrow. Hey, they're coming back. The reinforcements are here. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Kevin Durant scored a season-high 45 points, carrying the Brooklyn Nets to a 109-102 victory over the Magic that got them back to 500. Paolo Bancaro and Bol Bol each scored 24 points, and Franz Wagner chipped in 21 for the Magic, who have lost five straight games and seven of their last eight. And as you talked about on the bridge, you... Basically, just don't understand how you can assess this magic season. Uh, yeah, more coming up on that in a second. Okay. 
Deion Sanders said Monday that a report stating Colorado has offered him its head coaching job is true and that he has also received interest from other schools. The Jackson State football coach didn't say whether he's considering any of the opportunities, including trying to turn around the Buffalo's beleaguered program. Um, yeah, that's still kind of odd. And I, Is that the right fit for him, Colorado? I don't know. I, Again, I said yesterday, I think Dion probably is a bit frustrated by the process that some of the big jobs, well, that some of the big jobs that had been out there maybe did not show an interest. Maybe he still is a candidate at South Florida. Um, There seems to be some indication that they have zeroed in on one or two names, uh, whether Dion's one of them. I don't know. Dick Vitale was tweeting about Dion uh, this morning, so I don't know. Whatever. We'll see. (laughs) Well, one job that he won't be getting is at Auburn, as Hugh Freeze has agreed to a deal to become Auburn's next football coach. Administrators, including AD John Cohen, met with football staff members early in the day to tell them about the hiring of Freeze, who arrived on campus late Monday night. And news came out, the first uh, assistant hired is Cardinal Cadillac Williams. He was yeah. the interim head coach and will now be sticking around to be a part of Hugh Freeze's staff. Yeah, Uh Will be the associate head coach, and I, that, 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 that's not surprising. Um, well-respected guy, and yeah. What's an associate head coach? What do you mean? What does that mean? I mean, he'll get a position with his running back coach or something, and it comes with the title of associate head coach, and means more money. Technology in the match ball used at the World Cup proved conclusively that Cristiano Cristiano Ronaldo did not make any contact with the ball for Portugal's opener in their 2-0 win over Uruguay on Monday. FIFA and Adidas have confirmed Portugal scored the opening goal in the 54th minute, but the identity of the goal scorer was shrouded in doubt, with both Bruno Fernandes and coach Fernando Santos unable to clarify post-match whether or not Ronaldo provided the decisive final touch. Adidas claims the technology that they have that he wears can confirm also. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I think that I, Mark, I thought this was fascinating during the game yesterday. Mm-hmm. Of it went on for a while actually about who scored the goal. Yeah, I I thought that was uh, I thought that was uh, a pretty interesting uh, thing to see. Oh, and uh, there was a Monday Night Football game last night. There was a big win for the Steelers. They beat the Colts uh, today. Number of people questioning Jeff Saturday's clock management late. Mm-hmm in which they allowed a lot of time to go off the clock and uh, failed to score in their last drive, and Pittsburgh wins. Uh, He defended it, saying he decided against taking a timeout until 30 seconds remained because he didn't feel like time was really of the essence at the moment. Yeah, not quite sure I'm going to agree with that. (laughs) And uh, But, But the Colts didn't lose because Jeff Saturday hasn't been a coach before. And, and, And... there are, are no shortage of critics about, well, see, that's an example. He's done this now for a few weeks, and, and you can't watch the Colts like last night and go, oh, my God, they just look in disarray because Jeff Saturday's their coach. Mm-hmm. So, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, and lastly, the Cleveland Browns have officially added Deshaun Watson to its 53-man roster, clearing the way for his Browns debut Sunday against his former team, the Houston Texans. 
Yeah, what a coincidence, huh? Uh, I thought the schedule makers did really good on that one. By the way, uh, Auburn AD John Cohen. Apparently sounding like a defense attorney right now. Well, giving the classic line that everybody uses. Do you think this uses. is being televised on SEC Network? Uh, I'd be shocked if it wasn't. Says, you freeze was at the top of our list from the beginning and we never wavered. You want it? Yeah, put them up for a few minutes. Briefly, you're part of this process, and uh, you, you have to report uh, everything you have to report. But, man, we, we, we covet you being around our program. We covet you um, hopefully singing our praises when we start getting this thing rolling. So thank you for being here. To Liberty, um, I hope that they can uh, hear this message. But uh, working at Liberty the last four years uh, for Ian McCaw, uh, was one of the greatest joys of our... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, of our so, so, <laughs> you're already out? So John Cohen said, you freeze at the top of our list from the beginning and we never wavered. Just once, okay? Scott, what do I want on the signing day? I, <sighs> I, I just hate this recruiting class that we got. I just want one coach to go, didn't go well today. <laughs> really swung and missed. I would love to have an AD go, look, He was our seventh choice, Mm -hmm. and we're hopeful it works out. The first six guys we can come to a deal with, four of them found different jobs. The other two weren't interested. He's number seven, so let's see what happens. Like, I want that at a press conference someday. Uh, Cohen added that Coach Freeze was, quote, transparent with his past transgressions. He showed remorse and had accountability and had an accountability plan in place that he's used for the last five years. Everything he disclosed turned out to be accurate. So, So. so, so I'm to believe that you sat down and go, okay, I'm going to need a list of all the things. The things you did wrong. And then he gave you a list. You know, Can you sit here? We're going to get back to a little bit. And then you guys went out and what? Confirmed? Like, again, it's like I said earlier. This is the business of college football. Auburn is doing what they think is best to win games. That's it. It's to win games and make money. That, 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 that There's no other reason why you're in the business of doing that. So, yeah. <laughs> That's it. On the news, be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Just go there and leave us a five-star rating. This is, of course, a five-star segment. Back to you, Mark. Where, uh, and, and where do you go? You just go there. You, you go there. You go there, five-star rating. I mean, if you want to put a review in there as well, please give us a glowing review. Okay. So, go Unlike the that. person you encountered yesterday who was not happy about their customer service. I want to call them right now. Okay, go ahead and give them a call. Yeah, I'm not happy. Your call is important to us. Please wait on the line for 30 minutes. I did have one complaint, though, yesterday. Okay. The service was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Quick time and everything, right? You drove my car from the parking lot maybe 200 feet to the bay that you worked on it. Mm-hmm. Then you drove it 100 feet to recalibrate the camera. Yeah. Then you drove it 100 feet back to the parking spot. Why do you get him with the seat? Oh, I'm I'm in complete agreement with you on that one. I mean, and the guy that did it, he's about my height. It's yeah. not like he's 6'10". Yeah, and he got to fold himself in. Not only no. did he move the seat, he moved the back of the seat back. Yeah, yeah. You you, 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 you know how long it takes to readjust it back to the way you had it? It's a, it's a, it's a process. I don't think I'm done yet. I still exactly, think I'm shifting yeah. forward, back, everything. Not only did he move it back, it's like, why did you have to put the back of the seat further back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not going around the block to test drive this thing. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. This isn't this isn't Ferris Bueller's day off. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Later uh in this hour, our good friend Dave Purdom who covers uh, gambling for ESPN.
couple of really interesting stories. And if it was you, then you're gambling illegally in this day. But but some people at a couple of the big names in sports gambling had their account hacked. And none of this couldn't withdraw their money. Plus, the NFL team had sent out a tweet that moved the line significantly. And what the lesson out of that, some other news with Dave to get to. Uh, we come back, though. The Magic may get a couple of players back. But the numbers about games missed is mind-boggling on Double Shot Tuesday. I mean, it sounds like Taylor Swift. I don't know this it song. London Boy. Okay. Not me. That's texted I mean, it. I'd like to pay to get this song, like $15,000, like tickets for the shows and so forth. It's dynamic pricing on the songs. Two for Tuesday. It would be Weezer. Beverly Hills. Whatever billions they spent... In Qatar, the effort on the field is going to end up being winless as they trail the Netherlands 2-0 uh, in the 65th minute. Uh, they just made all three of their substitutions, and Scott and I were joking. It's almost like a Little League, like, can we empty the bench? It's like, no, you don't get to bring everybody in to play here. But it's our stadium. Yeah, so um, the, the, the dream of buying a World Cup for the exposure they're getting and the performance in the field will deliver an 0-3 performance, uh, barring some incredible comeback in the final uh, 25 minutes, which I don't think is going to happen there. Uh, Kobe Price of the Orlando Sentinel, who covers the Magic, was the first to report that Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz will be available tomorrow. Notice he didn't say we'll play. He just said they'll be available. Progress. Tomorrow. Last night, the Magic lost the Brooklyn Nets 109-102. Uh, I watched uh, uh, most of that game, and there's nothing to criticize the effort of the Magic players who played last night. This is a consistent point that I've had that I, I, I can't, I can't criticize the coach. I can't. I mean, you can in in, in certain in game situations, you can kind of question why you might do some things. But the overall assessment of Jamal Mosley with the number of injuries the Magic have had, it's unfair. Now, you may not like when he plays certain zone defenses and maybe calls certain offensive sets, but I just think because he's been so shorthanded, it's it's an unfair assessment. I don't question last night the nine players that played for the Magic and their effort, and they were in the basketball game against the Nets from start to finish. Uh, they lost 109-102. to 102. Kevin Durant went for 45 points. He was 19 for 24 uh, shooting last night, uh, Kyrie Irving had 20. The Magic had four players with 19 or more. Uh, part of that was because the bench in a combined 65 minutes was three of 16. It went one for nine in the three-point line. But Paddle went for 24. Bull Bull went for 24. Franz Wagner went for 21. Uh, and Gary Harris went for 19. And the Magic lost. Uh, they're 5 and 16 on uh, the season. Mike brought this up, and then I talked about it briefly as we were discussing the Magic earlier today. And I know that other people have written and and tweeted about this, but the answer to the question, Scott, is the following. Um, 4 and 12. What is 4 and 12? In four games, if he averages the minutes that he's currently averaging per game, 
in four games if he averages the minutes that he's currently averaging per game. Franz Wagner will pass Markel Fultz for career minutes played. Wow. Markel Fultz has been in the NBA for six seasons, counting this year. Mm -hmm. Franz Wagner is in his second year. Yeah. If he averages the minutes per game that he's been playing in 12 games, Franz Wagner will play more career minutes than Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan Isaac has appeared in 136 career games. Marco Foltz has appeared in 131. Assuming he does not suffer an injury, Franz Wagner will pass both, maybe. If Marco comes back, he may not, but he's likely going to pass Jonathan Isaac uh, in games played. Um, The number of games the Magic have had missed because of injuries. Scott, their actual... Websites and Twitter accounts that follow this stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. The following tweet was sent out by Man Games Lost NBA. Let's go. You ready? If the Orlando Magic stopped playing basketball today, it would take the Sacramento Kings 490 plus games to catch them in number of games missed by injured players. <laughs> Okay, wow. If the Magic stopped playing today, it would take the Kings 490-plus games to catch them, considering the Kings don't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, if you need to do some math here, that's more than six seasons. Okay, That's how bad it's been. And I just said earlier to Mike, and I said on, on this show, at 5-16, and 16, you can tell me that Cole Anthony's coming back, that Marco Fultz is coming back. I would love to see the Magic get on a run and win games, but I don't anticipate that happening. And 21 games into the season, we are back to, hey, they really played hard last night. And they did. I just find that boring. I, I, I watched. Uh, they were in the game. They led the start. They trailed. They got back in the game. And I told you they're four guys that had 19 or more last night. Bull Bull played a really good game. Pottle looked good last night. It was interesting to watch him at times go up against Kevin Durant. Good lesson for anybody like that. But that's it. That's where we are. 21 games in. You got Terrence Ross in a podcast even kind of questioning when guys are going to play and come back and how much they'll play and things like that. It's just that this is it. So many guys out. Don't know who's playing. Impossible to develop a rotation in chemistry. Uh, a head coach that I, I think after the Sixers game uh, on Sunday night showed his frustration of, I, I don't know who's playing. I got no idea. I don't fault the guys that were on the Magic bench last night. A couple of them probably wouldn't be in the NBA without the injuries right now. It, it's just really hard to get a gauge on a team like that that has so many guys that have missed so many games. And they're 5-16. and 16. And whatever your expectation was, the next number of games, being the hunt, things like you, you're just right back to where it is. Like, hey, they played really hard last night. I, I just find that part of it really boring. It's just really hard um, analyzing games and breaking down that you got a chance to win, you win, and 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 then you lose, and you're frustrated. And you, but it, now it's just, what are you criticizing? I don't know what to criticize. I'm not criticizing Jamal Mosley. How, how does anybody get a read on his ability of coaching when he's got so many guys that miss so much time? Same deal with players. So I, I watch. I like watching Franz Wagner. I like watching Paolo Boncaro. 
I used to like Jalen Suggs, but he doesn't play much either these days. <sighs> Up next, a good friend David Purdom. Some interesting stories in the sports gambling world in the headlines lately. We'll get to that. Double Shot Tuesday continues. Can we do that? Two songs that have Bangkok in it? Murray Head? One why, Night in why Bangkok? Not? Why not? Huh? You love this song. Well, I love it, but going back to the 80s with this it's one. It's really a song. It's more like a spoken word poetry. It is. Yeah. Facebook.com slash 96.9 The Game. It's a double shot Tuesday. Could see Scott getting dressed up as Ace Freely. I was always told I was uh, uh, a Peter Chris. Huh? Uh, Kiss, uh, Detroit Rock City. The, the most texted song in today. Duh. Double shot two say today's songs with cities in uh, uh, the title. Um, Senegal leads Ecuador 2-1. A bonkers game going on right now. Uh, Senegal advances if it keeps the lead. Netherlands is leading... Uh, Qatar, as they'll go winless in the World Cup. David Purdom's uh, been writing uh, gambling with ESPN Chalk for quite some time, and uh, we always enjoy when we talk and catch up on a few different stories. David, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? I'm doing fine. When I say World Cup betting in 2022 compared to previous years in our advanced world of sports gambling, what's what's been the traffic for World Cup gambling uh, this cycle? Um, it's been surprising uh, in terms that it hasn't exploded, really. Um, There were uh, some expectations for that USA-England game on the Friday after Thanksgiving. It was set all kinds of betting records, and it was the most heavily bet match of the World Cup so far and would rank very highly if you ranked all the uh, soccer matches that U.S. sportsbooks uh, take. But uh, it didn't even come close to any kind of NFL game or it was kind of compared to maybe a high-level NBA game. So uh, I think the U.S. Americans are still trying to get used to betting on soccer, and it really just hasn't taken hold as much as people thought it would. All right, let's get to some interesting stories. Uh, some people may know about this. Again, if if somebody in this state dealt with it, then you're doing it illegally because you can't access this. But what happened at DraftKings? We had a bunch of accounts hacked, stories about people trying to change accounts, get their money back, customer service issues. What happened at DraftKings, and what kind of ripple effect has it had on uh, the industry? Yeah, I want to take a step back real quick. It started actually in October, where multiple sports books started seeing increased uh, unusual activity, uh, trying people unauthorized attempts to gain access to a veteran's accounts. So poker players at BetMGM uh, were targeted, and they would open up an account in other states in these players' names, and they had access to their passwords and email and some personal inf- uh, information, identification information, and they actually opened accounts, deposited out of the poker players' uh, um, checking accounts, and then were able to withdraw into other accounts, and that was a big deal. There was one the gentleman that lost $10,000 in that. In the weeks after, you mentioned DraftKings. There was another increase in attempts to hack sports betting accounts, and a lot of them got through. Uh, DraftKings say it was a small number of accounts, uh, totaling about $300,000 were withdrawn unauthorized, and they're still trying to catch up with it. I'm still getting messages from people saying, 
you know, I, I can't access my account. I had money taken out of my checking account, and I can't get a hold of DraftKings. So uh, it's been a pretty big ordeal. Um, I know several regulators are, are looking at it, and it's just a reminder that uh, people really have to practice good online hygiene in terms of their on-site credentials. Uh, the belief is, understanding my understanding is that some of the passwords and emails were found on the dark web, and they were used, duplicated onto DraftKings to access their accounts. Uh, it's just very dangerous to do that, and people should very much uh, make sure they use unique passwords. What uh, What has been DraftKings' position on what happened and on the customer service side? Yeah, DraftKings says they are going to try to reimburse everybody that was impacted. Uh, but this, again, happened uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving, so we're a week here into it, and I'm still getting messages from people uh, that are having trouble getting reimbursed and having trouble uh, communicating with DraftKings. So uh, it, it is a little bit of concern if it is, quote, a small number of accounts, as DraftKings has said. Uh, they surely have not been able to rectify the issues for that small number of accounts. So uh, that that's a little dubious to me. Either there are more accounts that were impacted than they were uh, admitting, uh, or their customer service uh, staff is just completely overwhelmed and unprepared for something like this. Um, I found it really interesting, the story that uh, you wrote about. So teams have social media departments, and people might be shocked how big they are, and, and it's important. And uh, everybody clamors for who can play, not play, not just for fantasy reasons, but obviously for gambling reasons. So what happened when the Chicago Bears put a simple tweet out about a quarterback? Yeah, uh, about 12, 11 p.m. yesterday, about 45 minutes before uh, this is on excuse me, Sunday, before the kickoff of the Bears-Jets game. Uh, the Bears PR Twitter handle tweeted up that Nathan Peterman, who is the, the third-string quarterback, was going to get the start. Uh, Trevor Simeon, who was in the play, supposed to start in place of Justin Fields, had been ruled out with, with a, an oblique injury that he suffered during warm-ups. Well, Nathan Peterman is kind of a, a notorious figure in the betting world. He's had some dubious games uh, where he had through five interceptions a few years ago when he played for the Bills in the first half. As soon as it was announced that he was going to be the start starter, uh, everybody flocked on to bet the bet, uh, Jets. And you know, the line went from seven to seven and a half. Steelers Sportsbook took two six-figure bets, $100,000 bets, uh, on the Jets minus seven and a half. And several sportsbooks just said they were flooded with action on the Jets. Well, when this game began, here comes Trevor Simeon out there to start. So he had uh, got fixed up in the locker room, got some medication, he said, and was able to go. And that was really disappointing to the betters who basically wanted to bet against the Bears uh, because Peterman was going to be the starter. I, I don't know if there's a lesson that comes out of this. Or the NFL internally does a hey reminder, but it, it was a pretty interesting example of how it can impact it. it. What is the industry standard on that, or is there none? None, pretty much. Um, you know, they are required. There are requirements for the injury reporting throughout the week, uh, but this does seem like a situation where. It appeared that Peterman was going to get the start. It appeared that uh, Simeon was injured, but he went back into the locker room and got some medication to hurt his, uh, to help his oblique, and he was able to start. So it just seemed like things were pretty fluid, and that's what betters have to remember, that uh, often there's not some sort of nefarious way to go uh, trying to get them. Uh, they were just trying to keep up with the news, and, and it turned out that it, you know, it was inaccurate. Um, it, it's unfortunate uh, but it happens a lot. It's happened several times this year in other pregames. 
Um, I think you uh, commented on Twitter, and I don't know how much of the uh, series you read, but I think you did. Uh, you know, the Washington Post, I thought, did some incredible reporting, kind of looking at the industry and its involved, how it's evolved over the years, and uh, some of the tricks of the trade and so forth. I'm curious how much of that you may have read, what some of the industry reaction has been. In particular, obviously, the market was flooded with advertising of the biggest brand, Sign Up Getter app. Uh, the free bet and so forth, and and some people kind of wondered the, the 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 bait and switch game that was played, and how some of it's almost designed where you know it makes it even more difficult to win. What do you think of the work the Washington Post did, and was there much industry reaction about some of the details and in, in, in some of those stories? You know, the Washington Post did a great job. Their their, their story was centered on uh, how sports books treat players who win and guys who take it seriously and find different edges and ways to exploit them. And the way that a lot of sports books treat those customers is to limit them to such small amounts or cut them off uh, altogether so they cannot uh, continue to bet with those sports books. And a lot of people think that's unfair. Hey, I worked hard. Uh, I made my wagers, and now you're only going to limit me a certain amount. It's been a hot-button issue. Um, I've written on it several times uh, for for decades, and this goes back into uh, the U.K. It it happened in the United Kingdom for decades as well. Um, It's kind of that situation where, well, I'm a business. This guy is hurting my profits. I don't want to have his business anymore. Now, from the customer side of things, wait, you're, you're promoting all this, you know, Win big here, win big here. Look at these big bets, look at these parlays. But yet when I do try to win, now you won't let me. So uh, it's a really difficult conundrum for the industry uh, on both sides. Um, like I said, if you're a businessman um, and somebody is damaging your profit, you probably don't want to serve that person anymore. But if you're a customer who thinks that you're playing by the rules and doing it correctly, you don't, you don't think it's fair that other people are allowed to bet and you're not. Uh, last question, and, and you and I have discussed this over the years, and, and I think you said this, as this industry figures out what it is, the sharing of information by the major players and the consistency of information out there, not just about lines, is going to get better. Would you agree now that the, the, as things have somewhat settled, although I don't think this industry has figured out what it exactly is going to be long-term, but the access to information and the partnerships of working together, David, from a distance looks like it is really good. Is that fair? Um, in terms of relaying the information, the transparency of what is taking place at the sportsbooks, I think they have evolved on that, and it has improved. Um, they have basically, a lot of the sportsbooks, the big sportsbooks, the DraftKings, the FanDuel's, and so forth, uh, they've really kind of created their own media outlets in a way, and they have uh, content providers, content producers, and they have a lot of different uh, sponsors or spokespeople that are celebrity spokesmen. Uh, to endorse them, so um, it, it's growing. But I think you're seeing that kind of transformation to strictly a bookmaker to more of a bookmaker with a media outlet as mm-hmm. well. So uh, that's something that's definitely changed throughout these first few years of legalization. But the data of how much is being wagered, where the money's going, that is amazing now, the access to that information, right? Yeah, I mean, I used to have to call uh, each individual sports <laughs> each bookmaker and say, okay, what's the percentage of bets on this and what's the money wagered on this game? And now that comes on a daily release from 
multiple my inboxes uh, get dozens of, of emails from from sports books each week um, I guess we should note that you know just because uh, that information a lot of people think that they can use it for beneficial handicapping I don't really see it as right. a handicapping tool I like to put it out there just because it says okay this is what people are betting on this is the on this game for example uh, Caesar just sent me something today uh, that 83 bets of a thousand dollars or more have been placed placed on the US to win over Iran today uh, zero on Iran. Right. It also doesn't mean the U.S. is going to win. So. It does not. It does not. I'm sure it does not. Uh, if there was some sort of, uh, you know, revealing information than that, I don't think the sports folks would be uh, as willing to send it out. Uh, David's on Twitter, at uh, David Purdom. That's P-U-R-D-U-M. Uh, you can follow him and some good stuff. Uh, David, thanks as always. I appreciate it. You got it. Happy holidays. Yeah, same to you. We come back, uh, put a wrap on our Tuesday show. We're going to do an overtime today? Of course we're going to do an overtime. Uh, double shot Tuesday winding down. Mark's going to run through his top 25 prediction of the college football playoff. That's not going to happen. Mark's going to grade all of the new coaching hires since yesterday. That won't happen. Uh, turn this up. Uh, not the cranberries. Wait, wait. Nope. Not Chrissy Hyde. Who is nope. it? This Who is, is this? Hole. Okay. Malibu. All right, there you go. Songs about uh, songs with cities in the title. Time for the latest news, gossip, trends, and off-the-wall stories. Trends. Ooh. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. By the way, I just read that email that you sent me. Yeah. I like the fact that you kind of introduced me as to what I do in the email. Is that bad? Not on your part. I don't know if you've ever met this person before, though. <laughs> I, I didn't say it's on your part. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if, like... I don't, because we haven't really done giant meetings with that department. I, 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 you know, I just think you might want to know the people that you work with sometimes. Not you. I understand what you were doing there. You know, that's like, I don't know, game 106 of 162 games scheduling. And hey, you're the third baseman. I'm at first. You're the guy that, you know, that, that, that throws the ball to me. My name's Bob. How are you? You make it sound like the Yankees season was like that at times in August and September when you had to look up, who's playing third for me right now? That's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do a beat of sports overtime on Instagram Live. In Granted, there's people that have been working here for nearly a decade I probably have to do that same kind of in- introduction for. I On a daily basis, I have a few big guys when I walk to the kitchen or to the bathroom here. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, by the way, I'm working on a list of uh, restaurants for you. People have been texting in for uh, this weekend. Uh, sure. I mean, we're down to a few choices for dinner and breakfast and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah. Text them it. in. 50857. Don't need the text. Um, Hugh Free says he hasn't been on any social media uh Apparently, his deal with Auburn is they can run his social media account. But he says he isn't aware of the fan backlash to his hire. Do you believe that? No, I believe that any coach that tells you that they don't pay attention to outside noise, they're exactly the ones that uh, pay attention to it. So, yeah. (sighs) Ah. Let's see. Uh, Oh, you know what I watched for like the first time? I don't know why, but it was. Um. I was doing some work, and my wife was eating dinner, and 
before the Magic game, or actually the Magic game just got going, put on, I don't know what's on first, like Entertainment Tonight or Access Hollywood. Okay. Didn't know either of those shows still existed. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Frazier, I think it, I, I think he's Entertainment Tonight, and okay. I think Mario Lopez is Access the Hollywood. One? Okay. Well, no, one's extra. Okay. Man, those shows are irrelevant today. Yes. Because of social media. Correct. It's like, even they, even though they cut it like a few hours earlier, it's like... It, it, it's it's outdated. It is outdated by the time it airs. Yeah, yeah. It's funny to watch. Uh, by the way, trailer dropped. What'd you think? I like it. What yeah. was it for? Uh, that 90s show. They did a movie? TV show. Oh. Okay. Netflix. Ah. The parents are back. Ah. Okay. Got it. Mm-hmm. Go to Instagram Live for Beta Sports Overtime. Join us there. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow for a Wednesday show, Movie Wednesday. Keith Smith will talk some basketball with us and much more. Scott produced on Mark Daniels of Beta Sports. only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.